Yeah. Oh, can't we watch the rest of the movie? Did you catch that moment? Push the little red button and you might want to put your seatbelt on at the same time. You know, life's full of those little red button moments. You press it and everything changes. We've all experienced those moments, right? And, and when you push the red button, when everything seems to change in life, it feels like a bit of a roller coaster. So you need to be well strapped in. Maybe you push that red button and everything changed the day you decided to quit your job. Maybe you push that red button and everything changed the day you decided to end that toxic relationship or the day you decided to start a, a new life-giving relationship. Maybe you pushed that red button and everything changed the day you decided to start your own business or the day you decided to change postcodes or change towns or change counties or change countries. Maybe you pushed that red button and everything changed the day you decided to become a Jesus follower. You see, here's the thing I know about red buttons. When you push them, just like in that clip, adventure follows. Which is why you and I don't want to go to the movies and see a film where the red button doesn't get pushed. Because if the red button doesn't get pushed, it's a boring, predictable movie and no one wants to go and see it. And if we're honest, we don't want those kind of lives, right? We don't want a boring life. We don't want a predictable life. We want a bit of adventure in life. We want that heart-pounding thrill of pushing the red button and seeing what occurs and strapping ourselves in. So if there was a red button, if there was a red button that could transform your life, or if there was a red button that could transform your faith, or, and this is where I want to hang around for 15 minutes or so this morning, if there was a red button up here now, that if you pushed it, would transform your church forever, what would you do? Would you stay away from it? Would you guard it so no one else presses it? Because we want to stay exactly as we are. Don't go changing anything around here. We've had enough changes, thank you very much. Or would you push it? Would you push it? You know, if you went to Gatwick Airport and there were no planes taking off and no planes landing, you'd stand there and you'd say, there's a problem. Or if you went to Victoria Station and there were no trains departing and no trains arriving, you would say, there's a problem. So how can Christians go to church week after week, year after year, decade after decade, seeing no visitors come to the church, seeing nobody become a Christian or get baptized year after year and not realize that there's a problem? I don't get it. You know, one of my favorite um, authors, business authors, is a guy called Max Dupre. You've probably never heard of Max Dupre. Max Dupre wrote what is my favorite of all time business books, a book called The Art of Leadership. And Max Dupre is impressive to me because he was a Fortune 100 business leader, but he was also a church pastor. And in this book, Dupre says this, and it's haunted me and lived with me for the decades since I read it. He says this. He said, in the end, it's important to remember that we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. We cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. We can't become a red button church by remaining what we are. We can't become the kind of church that endears ourselves to the local community. So much so that the local community say, I don't believe a thing that Holy Baptists believe. I don't believe in this Jesus at all, but I'm sure glad they are here because our community, our lives are better off because we're here. We can't become the kind of church that produces really engaging services 
for kids and teenagers and adults that made people say, I can't believe I've got to wait a whole nother seven days till I can come back and experience that again. We can't create the kind of um, uh, next generation of leaders with our kids and our teenagers. We can't be, uh, become the kind of church that, that helps people to find out their talents and their spiritual gifts and starts putting them into practice to serve other people. We can't become the kind of church where people get into provocative, life-giving relationships to help us grow up in our faith. We can't become that kind of church by remaining what we are. You know, I'm convinced that when this pandemic is over, and believe you me, a time will come when it will be over, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe that when this pandemic is over, I'm convinced that churches that are ready to change are going to, to coin a phrase, go further faster than churches that are resistant to change. When all this is said and done, churches that are ready to change are going to go further and faster, make a bigger difference than churches that are resistant to change, churches that are resistant to pushing that red button. You know, one church leader in the States, a man called Craig Groeschel, he put it like this, and it's so brilliant. Groeschel says this, to reach people no one is reaching, you're going to have to do some things that no one is doing. If you're going to reach people that no one else is reaching, you're going to have to do some things that no one else is doing. I went to Google University on your behalf this week, and I Googled how many people live in Hawley. And according to Google, 22,000 people live in Hawley. And then I tried to find out how many of those people would go to church, would call themselves Jesus followers. And best estimate, conservative estimate, is around 2,000 people. So there are 20,000 people in this town who don't go to church, wouldn't call themselves Christians. If we're going to reach, if Holy Baptists are going to reach the 20,000 people that the Methodists aren't reaching, that the Catholic Church isn't reaching, that the Church of England isn't reaching, and all the other churches are not reaching, if we're going to reach those 20,000 people, we're going to have to do some things that no one else is doing. And that means change. That means pushing the red button. That means looking out for the adventure. And just like they said on that clip, that means fastening our seatbelts. So what does a church that pushes the red button actually look like? This is how the Bible describes the kind of church that God had in mind in the first place. This is how the Bible describes what a church that pushes the red button actually looks like. It's a description of that first church from the book of Acts. Verses that if you're a, a Jesus follower, you, I'm sure you'd be well aware of. But maybe if you're not, this is the first time you've heard them. This is your chance to hear it for the first time. And by the way, if you are here because a friend's dragged you along or you're visiting, you need to know that this whole church is designed with you in mind. We are so glad that you are here and you need to feel welcome as a visitor. But let me describe to you, as the Bible describes, what the first church actually looks like. Acts chapter 2 says this, talking about the, the followers, the apostles. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal and the prayers. Pause there for a moment. They devoted themselves. Who, who did the devoting? Who said it's my responsibility for my own spiritual growth and, and development? They did. They devoted themselves. Oftentimes we sit there in church and we say, it's the pastor's job to grow my faith. It's the worship leader's job. It's the youth leader's job to grow my faith. I'm coming to this church and I don't feel my faith is growing. And it's the, it's the preacher's job to do it. And he's not doing a great job or she's not doing a great job. They devoted themselves. They took it upon themselves for their own spiritual growth and development. 
to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, the prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived together in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. Just picture this church. They sold whatever they owned. They pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. People liked what they saw. I bet they did. Every day their number grew, as God added to those who were being saved. Every day their number grew. Every day. That's a growth rate of at least 365 people a year. Who wouldn't want to be part of a church that was growing by at least 365 people a year? That's a red button church, right? That's the church God had in mind in the first place. And the world had never seen anything like it. The Holy Spirit falls on a bunch of ordinary women and ordinary men and all the things that used to separate them, all the things that used to divide them like racial lines and, and, and gender-specific lines and socioeconomic lines, all those seem to disappear. And they lived together in this perfect harmony. And people who had money got freed up from the whole of that money. And they started to say, look, I'll sell some stuff so that you can have stuff. I'll give stuff away. And people started to discover the, the God-given gifts and talents they had. And they started putting those into practice to serve other people. And you know what? It says they ate meals together. And one translation says they ate meals together with sincere hearts. Sincerity was a hallmark of that early church. In other words, people took their masks off when they ate together. And it was authentic. It was real. They talked honestly about their lives. There was no pretense. There was no pretense. And that's what the early church was like. This community was so remarkable, it completely and utterly transformed and changed the world. Now, everyone who saw it, everyone out there who looked in, everybody said, man, I want a piece of that. I want to be part of that. And every time I read those verses, and believe you me, as I'm reading them now, the same thought is buzzing around my head. Every time I read those verses, I think to myself, could that ever happen again? I mean, could it? Could a church like that ever exist in the UK? Could it exist in a town called Hawley, a stone's throw from Gatwick Airport? Could it? You know, I want to be part of an Acts chapter 2, 42 church that's experiencing Acts chapter 2, verse 47 results. I want to be part of an Acts chapter 2, 42 church where people devoted themselves to each other, to this common life together. And the results are Acts 2, 47. God daily added to their numbers. Who wouldn't want to be part of a church like that? Who wouldn't want to push the red button and say, count me in. I want to be part of a church like that. You'd have to strap yourself in for it. You'd have to put your seatbelt on because it would be one heck of a roller coaster ride. So what happens if you don't push the red button? Here it is on stage. This red button, if you push it, it transforms your church. Huh. What if you don't push it? What if you guard it and keep everybody away? Because we don't want to bring any changes here. What if you don't push it? Well, to answer that question, I'm going to have to tell you a couple of stories. One about fishing, and one about my cocker spaniel called Summer. Start with a fishing story. What happens if you don't push the red button? You see, when I was in my late teens, I went on a fishing trip. I'm not a fisherman. I don't like fishing. I never have done. But I got convinced to go on this fishing trip with some cousins and some older guys. And I was really excited about it because this fishing trip was actually fishing from a boat on a lake. And so we got into the car. My mum had packed me up some 
uh, some sarnies. I didn't have any fishing gear, but they did. And I was just looking forward to getting on a boat in a lake and being with these boys and catching some fish. And we were all excited. We got in the car and the lake was a couple of hours drive away. And we started to drive and someone said, hey, I'm going to put my, put my tunes on. Let's listen to some music. And he put the music on. Everyone went, yeah, it's my favorite song too. We were clapping a little, winding the windows down, singing, high-fiving each other, laughing, joking. It was so great. And the closer we got to the lake, the more the weather closed in. And it started to get dark and stormy and rainy. And when I say rainy, it wasn't just that drizzly rain. It was the rain that comes down sideways, you know. It was a squall. We parked up right next to the lake, and there was no way you could get out of the car. You couldn't push the door open against the wind. The thought of actually being on a boat out in the lake was terrifying. So we sat there hoping it would clear. We sat there for half an hour. It got worse. An hour, an hour and a half. And the longer we sat there, we started to eat our sandwiches. And people complained that mum had put pickle in with the cheese, and they didn't like pickle. And people started complaining about the music. Cole, turn this off. It's terrible. And then someone made a horrendous smell and you had to open the windows and all the rain was coming in. And We started to argue with each other. And at one point, it even got to some pushing and shoving and a bit of fisticuffs. Do you see the point of my story? It's blatantly clear. People who are designed to fish, people who are on a mission to fish, when they don't, they end up fighting. That's what happens if you don't push the red button. How many times have we been part of churches that are supposed to go fishing for lost people and they don't, so they end up fighting about trivial stuff, fighting about the, how comfortable the chairs are, fighting about how long the preacher is, fighting about trivial stuff like how loud the drums are or how bad the coffee is. Ridiculous. It's the kind of thing we end up fighting about because we're not fishing. We were designed to fish, and when you can't fish, you end up fighting. You know, when, when Jesus called us to follow him, primarily he called us to a cause, not community. Primarily when Jesus called us to follow him, he said, come join me. We're on a mission. We're on a course together. Come join me, and we're going to go fishing for lost people. That's our mission. We're going to find people who are lost, who are far from God, who are out there, and we're going to bring them close that they have an eternity with God in heaven. That's our mission. Primarily, Jesus called us to a cause, not community. He didn't say, come join me and we'll have a Tuesday night Bible study and we'll all gather around and pat each other on the back spiritually. That's not why, primarily why Jesus called us. Now, community was a beautiful byproduct of this mission. When they were on this mission, they found community to die for, but primarily Jesus called people to a cause. You know, I, I was preaching about this very thing in a church just before the pandemic struck. And at the end of the talk, this older man, elder of the church, called me to one side. And he said, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, young man. I loved it when someone calls you. I'm 57 years old. Young man. Oh, shows you how old he was. Um, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you are totally and utterly wrong. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Why would you say that? And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you've got to understand, Jesus commanded us primarily to be his disciples. The problem with the church today is that um, there are not very well discipled believers. The church's job is to disciple the believers. We have to be disciples before we go out and make disciples. And I said, oh, sir, I'm, you are much older and wiser than me, but I am really sorry to have to tell you this, but that's not what I read in the Bible. The last words of Jesus, and you listen to people's last words, right? The last words of Jesus to his followers in Matthew chapter 28, he gives them the great commission, and he says, go and be disciples. No, 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 no. 
Go and make disciples. Make disciples from people across the other side of the social, economic, and the racial line. Go make disciples of people who look and sound differently to you. Go make. He wasn't saying, Peter, go and make disciples with John. Go and sit in a little holy huddle and do a Bible study. No, no, no. Go into all the world, to people who look and sound and feel different to you, people who don't believe the same things as you. That's where you start the mission. Go fishing. Go push the red button. Go make disciples. <laughs> but that's what happens if you don't press the red button. You end up fighting. Let me tell you this final story about Summer, my Cocker Spaniel, and I'll wind up with this. You see, I've got this little trick I do with my dog, Summer. In the utility room, I've got two tins. One with tiny little treats that she gets a handful of those, and another tin with a big bonio treat. She only gets one of those. So I did a little experiment a little while ago, and I got her to cut. She heard the tins rat rat rattling, so she comes running into the utility room, sits there, sad eyes looking up at you. You know, it's just hard to resist. And so I put my hand in and grabbed some of these tiny, tiny treats and gave them to her. And she puts them all in her mouth and fills her cheek. Now, I know what she does. Every time you give her treats, she won't eat it there and then. She trots off into the lounge. She's got her own little spot in the lounge. And she hunkers down and she eats them one by one. And so I gave her this trick. They're all in her mouth, filled out her cheek, and she trotted off towards the lounge. At which point, I rattled her bone tin. And she loves her bones better than the... The, the treats. So she stopped and turned around and came back in and she sat there looking at me with these bulging cheeks and I had a bone and I put it down in front of her and she was in a dilemma. She was stuck. She so wanted that bone but she couldn't let go of the treats that were already in her mouth. She didn't know what to do. And I just wonder, Hawley Baptist Church, I just wonder, is that where you guys are right now? It's as if Jesus is standing here and saying, here's the red button. Here's the picture of a new church. Here's the picture of this place being far too small because I'm calling many people to come and to be part of this. The trouble is, if, if you're going to push that red button, if you're going to grab hold of that bone, there might be some things you're going to have to let go of. There might be some things that you've enjoyed in the past that you're just going to have to put to one side because there's a new treat that I want to give you. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Hawley Baptist Church? You're going to push the red button? You're going to take a risk? You're going to go on an adventure? Are you going to do some things that you've never done before, that no one has ever done before, in order to reach some people in Hawley that no one has ever reached? Or are you going to stay safe? Are you going to stay as you are? You know, <laughs> you know the common garden taught us? A tortoise can only make progress when it starts to stick its neck out. A tortoise can't move forward unless it sticks its neck out. I'm telling you, you can, you can stay nice and cozy, comfy in your shell, and you'll go to heaven, and Jesus will high-five you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. But if you want to really make progress on this mission, you've got to start to stick your neck out. You've got to push the red button. And Father in heaven, I just pray right now that you would, I just get a sense, Lord, that you are stirring something within us, within some of us, a sense of dissatisfaction. We love this place, we love this people, but we want it to be too small. We want to reach out and, and pick people off of the precipice that are going to a lost eternity and bring them home. 
Father, we don't want to be those kind of people that fight because we can't fish. And so I pray you would give us all the courage we need to take some positive next steps. Help us to be the kind of people that don't moan and complain and send rotten emails. But the kind of people that cheer and shout and applaud when new people come in, when new people get baptized, when new people find you. Lord Jesus, I pray you would give us the confidence as a church to push the red button and then to put the seatbelt on because there's an adventure with you that lies ahead. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said? Amen. Amen. That's